Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen and amen. How many were here last week and heard the message on the almond branch? The almond branch. The lesson of the almond branch. We're going to continue that today. We'll have to review a little bit to begin with, but we're going from the almond branch uh, to the menorah because that almond theme is carried into the temple, into the the, the lampstand that gave light. Now, this menorah is not like the ancient Jewish menorah that was used in the temple. It's symbolic of that menorah, and it's used in, in uh, Jewish festivals today. The Jewish state uses it as, as a symbol of the Jewish state. Uh, it's, there's one in the middle. There's three on each side, and that makes seven. And seven is God's number for completion and perfection, and that's not numerology. That's just the way God expresses his completeness. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and his perfection. So, Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And he said, I see the rod of an almond tree, literally the branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it both in the new new uh, uh, new NASB and the Amplified, it says I'm watching over my word to perform it. Uh, you will clearly understand where that scripture comes from and the context of it through the teaching about it, not through just someone pulling it out of the context uh, and using it in another way. God always, by the way, watches over His word to perform it. Has He not said it, and shall He not? Do it. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Every heaven and earth will pass away, but what's, what's the difference between what we think is, has such permanence, this earth and, and, and heavens? He said, they'll all pass away, but my word will abide forever and forever. Everything that he ever said came to pass. Therefore, everything he says is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. This scripture can be positive. It can be negative. He was watching over his word to bless Israel when they were right with him, watching over his same word through the prophets to chasten them when they refused to repent. Uh, he put two ways before us and them. Nothing has changed. I and my father are one. Don't think that God is this, uh, this very grandfatherly, uh, senile, half senile, uh, easily irritated, impatient individual of the Old Testament. And Jesus is the kind, patient, uh, loving one in the New Testament. This is one and the same. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you don't believe we're serving the same God, follow Jesus into the temple. When they had turned the temple uh, that was a place of exclusive worship of God into where money changers were manipulating to, to, to make profit uh, in his house. And he said, my, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. And Jesus calmly, not out of a fit of anger, but he calmly braided a whip out of rope. And as one preacher put it, he chased those jaybirds out of the temple. Can you say amen? Amen. That's paraphrasing, but that's exactly what he did. And if you think that he's, the, he's this me, lowly Jesus, meek and mild, and he wasn't God incarnate, just follow him into the, the temple. Amen. And you will see that he kicked over the money tables. And what was he going to do with that whip? What do you reckon he was going to do? Well, they knew what his intentions were. And they knew, pick up your table and get out of here. Or you're going to get that lash across your back. And it's, it's coming from who? 
is coming from Jesus. Jesus is going to whoop you. Oh, people think Jesus don't whoop nobody. Did you know when He comes, we need a revelation of Him from the book of Revelation. Because the Jesus that's coming back is not the one that they hung on the cross and nailed the nails in as a lamb done before His his shearers. He opened not His mouth. That's not the Christ that's coming back. John saw the Christ that's coming back. He said, I heard a voice behind me. And it sounded like Niagara Falls, in essence. It sounded like the voice of many waters flowing. It was a roar of power. Just the sound of it represented great power. He said, I turned to see the voice. And he saw saw something entirely different. He saw a man. And he saw his hair was as wool. His eyes were a flame of fire. He was clothed with a garment down to the foot. He had a belt on, a golden belt. His feet were as burnished brass. And he heard him say, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm he that was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And that begins. The book of Revelation begins not with the revelation of the Antichrist, or the plagues, or the bowls, or the judgments, but the judge. Jesus Christ. Can you say man? His hair was as wool. He, he, all judgment, the scripture said, has been committed to the son. All of it. It's, he's the one that gave his life. He's the one that's been rejected. He has the right now to judge. And when he comes to a world that's rejected him, not for the church who will rejoice in his coming. See, if you can think about Jesus coming and your heart kind of heart rate pick up a little and you get just a little bit excited about the return of the Lord, you're ready to meet Him. I guarantee you're ready to meet Him. To them that look, He shall appear the second time without sin. In other words, He's not going to deal with sin in that coming. He's not coming to judge the earth. He's coming to receive His bride. Glory be to God. Without sin unto salvation to bring our redemption to the full extent when this old body that's aging and decaying Oh, yeah, I hate to break it to you. All of old lady couldn't sell all those. Uh, is it old? Oh, I think it's Olay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I really meant to say that just to see if you were listening. And sure enough, you were. Can you say, man? The reason they're selling so many beauty products is that, oh, by the way, the, the, the leader of one of the rock bands of old, his daughter said he spends more money on, on face creams than he does on me. <laughs> she was jealous. <laughs> All of us are trying to hold on to our youth. And it's okay to do that. I'd stay in shape, be, live in this body as healthy as you can. Brother Hobbs doesn't look, you know, he, he doesn't look like he's ready to depart. He looks like he's ready to stay here and sing a while and preach a while and pray a while. Amen? I'm not ready to go yet. Okay, he's got something to do. All right. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I appreciate that. We're all trying to stay in, in shape to some degree. Amen. I don't do what I used to do, obviously. Amen. But here's, here's the thing that we want to get a hold of today. We all need hope and help in faulty bodies in a fallen world. Jeremiah was going to preach, as we talked about last week, to a generation that would not listen where he made not one convert. 
but he was God's instrument, God's mouthpiece. God warned him when he went into his ministry, don't look at their faces. It was easier, honestly, to not look at faces when I ministered in Haiti when there was over 5,000 people. Uh, 8,000 to 10,000 was the conservative estimate. And we stood on a stage and it had a generator. We were out in the middle of nowhere where there was no electric. And they came by the hundreds and tens of hundreds to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We had the one and the only vehicle, which was a big flatbed truck that carried us and, uh, and carried equipment. Actually, there was two, one for the equipment, one for us to ride in. We slept in tents. We bathed in the river. Amen. They were watering mules just down from where we were bathing. And the mules decided, you know, the water is so cool. This is such a beautiful day, uh, you know, and I don't even have to worry about stepping in where I go. The river will just take it away as I go. And we're bathing in the river, and and here comes stuff down the river that we had to... uh, we had to avoid. Amen. So when you rough it, you really rough it. This was, you know, I had a preacher with me that, you know, I was real, real concerned about his hair and his look. Brother R.E. Spain was with us, and he, he really kept that good-looking hair and everything else. But when we got out in that river, all of that changed. When we slept in those tents, all of that changed. Amen. And we got down to just being real missionaries for a while. Amen. Cooking toast over an open fire for our breakfast, putting peanut butter on it, running out of water and sucking on oranges that we'd bought to get some liquid into us because we drank all our water up and, and we needed it for hydration. But we learned to not bathe downstream from mules. Amen. We learned that the hard way. Amen. And we had a wonderful time, and people come to hear us preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jeremiah was first given the vision, as we talked about, of the almond tree. The almond tree. By the way, the first month of the Hebrew calendar is the only one given a name by God. The rest of them are numbered. Pagans gave names to some of those months, but only God named the first month. The first month in the Hebrew calendar is Aviv, A-V-I-V. And guess what it means? Aviv, the month of blossoms. Say it with me, the month of blossoms. By the way, this is not any blossom. This is a specific blossom that God uses to encourage and to instruct Over and over and over again. This is the almond blossom. It was the first tree that bloomed at the signifying the end of winter. And so it was called the watch tree. Because they looked at it to know how long winter. They didn't look at the groundhog. I can't say his name. And I'm not even going to try anymore. And by the way. Everyone in this room needs help and encouragement from the Lord. No one lives on a mountaintop. That's the bad news. The good news is you don't have to live on a mountaintop to be encouraged by the Lord. I love what the prophet of old said. He said, though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no fruit upon the vine, though there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice 
in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Salvation in the Old Testament most of the time meant deliverance. It's not being saved uh, as we are, our sins forgiven. It's being saved from the trouble that has befallen someone. Can you say amen? So he said, I will rejoice in the God of my what? Of my deliverance. No matter what the circumstance, temporarily in the immediate sense, I, he said, I serve a God who delivers. And I will look past my immediate circumstance to that God. And because he praised God for his promise of deliverance, he said, he's going to change me before he changes anything in my circumstances. Most of you are waiting for God to change your circumstance when what he wants to do in your circumstance and my circumstance is to change me. He may not always speak to the storm in your life and say, peace be still. But He will always speak to the storm in you that that storm has created and say, peace be still. Can you say amen? And it's called peace in the midst of the storm. Billy Graham said the best way to illustrate Christian peace, the peace that Christ promised, is not a calm sea where there are no storm clouds, no white caps. But he took a picture that he loved so much. And it was a picture of a, and, and you can see this in, in New England, particularly in the state of Maine. Because I went to Bahaba. That's Bar Harbor. Amen. But they call it Bahaba. They dropped the R's. I went to Bahaba, Maine, and, and saw those. The, the tides are not like here. They're, 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 they're great. There's, there's this drop-off to the water, and then it goes out and it comes in, and some of you know about that. Uh, that that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what, what we need to get a picture of today. Because when Billy Graham looked at that, he looked at a storm clouds. He looked at a stormy sea. He looked at black clouds and lightning flashing. And he saw in the, in the cleft of one of those huge rocks that had, that had stood every storm that had ever come in from the sea and was still standing. Amen. Inside a cleft of that rock, there was a little bird about the size of a sparrow. And that sparrow knew, I can't stay out in this storm and survive, but I can hide in the cleft of this rock. And, and just backed up into that rock. And because even that sparrow knew something, or that sparrow-sized bird, this storm one day will stop. But this rock is not going to move. Can you say man? Hallelujah. It inspired Augustus Toplady on his way from one town to another walking. So as people would walk five or six miles between villages and towns. And he was walking. He got caught in a violent storm. And he found a rock with a cleft in it. And he was able to wedge himself into the cleft of that rock and while in there he thought about God God sometimes will use physical things to show us spiritual truths and he got a hold of a truth about God's sheltering arms inside the cleft of that rock and he wrote the great Christian hymn of faith and trust and consolation rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee can you say man and this is part of that message he said 
I want to show you something in the physical Jeremiah that's going to carry over into the spiritual. When you get into your ministry, you're going to have to remember that my mercies are new every morning. You're going to have to remember the almond tree is the first tree to bloom to signify winter is over. And when it began to bloom, it didn't matter if it was 30 degrees and snowing and cold as it could possibly be and gray and overcast and dark. Because when that tree bloomed, it meant winter is going to have to end it may try to hang on try to last but it's going to have to end and spring is going to come winter will not hold back the spring it may seem like it will never end that long dark night but it will end and it will end not only will it end but something new and beautiful is going to replace it can you say man and jeremiah had to have that in his mind and he did and we read about all of those scriptures everybody say the month of blossoms first month in the hebrew calendar the month of of blossoms. Now let's talk about the memora. That's called a memora. It was a piece of furniture in the tabernacle that became the temple. And it's unique. And there's relevance to you and me today. Because the menorah is the lamp of God. And it is the lamp of man simultaneously it's god's lamp when they made the menorah they got craftsmen anointed of the holy spirit it was crafted out of solid gold and the people bought brought the gold to craft the menorah for the temple and the craftsman was designated and not only was he appointed he was anointed by the spirit the bible said God's Spirit came on him to make this piece of furniture. And by the way, the pattern to make it that was given to him, who was anointed to follow the pattern and make it, God gave to Moses on the mountain. Most Bible scholars, Jewish Bible scholars believe that that God literally brought this to him by a vision or else he gave it to him by some form of revelation that the only person who had the pattern so god gave the pattern this wasn't man thinking what god might like or or how we might express this was god himself saying this is how i want it these are the dimensions it was just about as tall as me it was made hammered out of a piece of solid gold. There wasn't parts to it put together. And that's why it had to be an anointed craftsman. Because it is humanly impossible to most people's thinking. To take one solid hundred pound piece of gold. And hammer out something as intricate as the original. Not like this. Everybody say candlesticks. You see that in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Amen. He said to the, book of Eph- the church of Ephesus, if you, don't, if you don't repent, I'm going to come to you quickly, and I'm going to remove your candlestick. The actual word in the Greek is not candlestick. There's no wax involved. There's no candles involved. It is one particular word, 
lampstand. The lampstand is symbolic because it had a reservoir of oil that fueled the light. And oil in Scripture is always a type of the Holy Spirit. We used to sing it when we used to be enthused and excited that we were filled with the Holy Spirit. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. It separates the professing Christian from the possessing Christian because there were five virgins that had no what? oil in their lamp and they were five that had oil in their lamp and when the bridegroom come they were able to go meet him because they had oil in their lamp they could trim their lamp hallelujah and light it can you say amen he that does not have the spirit of christ is none of his you don't belong to him so you can't be a christian and not have oil in your lamp so you don't have to worry about not having oil you don't have to worry about the oil oozing out or easing out. I tell my dad, I said, Dad, we, let's just ease on down to the car show. He said, Bobby, because he was 92 then, he said, Bobby, let's just ooze down there. Amen. <laughs> I said, okay. I, I'm not quite to the oozing stage. Are you not, not quite? I'm close, but I'm not. My viscosity still can ease on down. Give me oil in my lamp. It was a lampstand fueled by oil. And it sat in the holy place because there were no windows in the tabernacle or the temple. This was the light. This was the light. The menorah was the light of the temple. Let me tell you something about that temple and us. Your body is what? What did Paul call it? Revelation here. The temple of the Holy Ghost. The temple. He said God has made you just like, he, just like the temple had an outer court, a holy place, and a most holy. Your flesh, your body is the outer court. It was to be treated holy because of, it was in proximity to such holy areas. But then there was a holy place when you go in to the door to offer the sacrifices, but then a linen veil kept you from what? The most holy. You know what has happened when you got saved? Your spirit was made by the blood of Christ and a transaction between God and you by the Holy Spirit. Your spirit, man, was made the most holy place. How do you know it's the most holy place? Because Jesus said when they asked Jesus, these people are all over him. They're touching him. He's touching them. They're a crowd. They're actually elbowing the apostles out of the way and they didn't like it just to get to Jesus. And they said, Lord, how is it that you're going to manifest yourself to us and not to them? Not to that crowd pushing and shoving and being unruly. They didn't like all of that. They told the blind man to hold his peace. They told the children to shut up. And Jesus rebuked them on both occasions. Can you say amen? How is it that you are going to manifest yourself to us, be exclusive to us and not unto them? He said, if any man hear my word and, and, and keep my Father's word and keep my commandments, he said, I and my Father will come to them and we will make our abode with 
them. We will live in them. How does he do it? By the Holy Spirit. Can you say, man, the triune God lives in every true child of God. The Father lives in you. Christ lives in you. In fact, Christ in you is what? The hope of glory. The down payment on heaven. Because if the holiest person... Listen, golden gates don't make heaven holy. The holy city is not holy because of pearl gates. It's not because of golden streets. It's not because of of foundations of precious stones. It's not even because the river of life is there and angels inhabit the place. It's because of the Father. It's because of the Son. It's because of the Spirit of God. Can you say, man, that, why is, why is Christ in you? The hope of glory? Why? Because if He can come and live within you, if He who makes heaven holy can live in you, then you can live in the city. City is not holier than Him. It's holy because of Him. Oh, all of you that are wondering if you're going to make it. (laughs) If God lives in you, if Christ lives in you, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can't help but make it because He's already come to live in you and recorded your name on the rolls of that city. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When I first came into Pentecost, you had to wear your hair a certain way to make it. Your sleeve had to come to a certain place to make it. Amen. You, you, if you put on a little bit of rouge, you wasn't going to make it. Lipstick, you Jezebels. Amen. You, you ain't going to heaven. Amen. We were there, Brother Hobbs. We've been through it all. That's legalism. And we had to grow up. And we had to grow out of it. But we did grow up. Now, we're not over on the other side either to liberalism. Amen. We're, we, because the holy ones live in us, we're to live a holy life. What you do with your body has consequences after the holy one comes to live in you. If I go out on my wife and I join myself to a harlot... My wife has a license to carry. She honestly does. And besides, I think a pistol would be too quick. I think she'd do it with her bare hands. (laughs) But that's not the real issue. Listen to this because the Holy Ones live in you. You don't have freedom to just live like the devil. Because if I join myself to a harlot tonight, it's not just Pamela I fear. It's God. You know why? You know why? My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So that temple was made holy because of the presence of God that indwelt behind the veil. And in the holy place of your life, in your spirit, that's been renewed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, God indwells. God is not just above you. He's not just beside you. God is within you. And it's Christ where? In you. That's the hope of glory. You have the full assurance heaven is going to be your home because He who makes heaven holy lives in you and lives in me. And if I join myself to a harlot, which I have the free will to do, 
I can choose that. If I'm a Christian, I won't choose that. Some Christians do choose that. And when they do, they're in very dangerous ground. Because if a Christian does that, we join Christ by virtue of His living in us. And so your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Whoever defiles the temple, whoever defiles the temple, that doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means open rebellion. I know God says I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't do it. But I'm going to do it for my own personal gratification and pleasure. Him shall God destroy. There is a sin. This is one of them. There's a sin unto death that prayer will not alter the judgment that will fall. You can't just keep living in rebellion and sin and keep calling Tulsa for prayer. Because there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it. In fact, when it comes to a Christian, if someone walks in obstinate rebellion and decides you're not going to serve God, you'd rather have your friends, you'd rather have your party, you'd rather have your sexuality and sensuality gratified outside of God's laws. The Bible said if you go to someone and you instruct them, you counsel them, you try to get them back on track, and they don't listen, and they will not listen, And they're obstinate, and I meet those kind of people wanting prayer all the time. And I pray as compassionate as I can, but deep in my heart, I know the Scriptures too well. I know God can't do anything but whoop them. We've got an implication today that we can just get a bunch of prayer warriors to pray away what God has promised. He watches over His Word to perform it. Hath he not? See, we always take that in the positive, but initially it was in the negative. I'm going to judge Israel, and you've got to tell them judgment's coming to give them an opportunity to repent. But you've got to remember, even when I judge them, I'm a God of great mercy. Is this the word? Is this? So some people are in trouble with God. It's not the devil we need to bind or cast out. It's them. Their dishonesty. Their rebellion. It's hard, Christ said, to kick against the pricks. You've got an ox that doesn't want to pull the cart. He just ain't going to pull it. And every time you give him a little tap to go, he kicks back. He kicks back. You know what they would do? They wouldn't have a conversation with him. They never read Dr. Spock's book on how to raise oxen. Amen. And teach them to obey. They didn't put a carrot out in front of them to get them to go forward. They, they put two boards with sharp goads sticking out of it. And when he kicked, he kicked something that hurt him. He kicked with that foot and he said, Lord have mercy. And he kicked with the other foot and said, Lord have mercy. And he kicked again, Lord have mercy. Oh, that hurt. 
And I meet people that are wanting prayer that are kicking against the pricks. And my prayer is that they will get right with God. Humble themselves before the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. God don't want to hurt you. He wants to help you. This holy place in us where God comes to live. If you go two or more times, nobody's listening. You come to a place where you want their soul to be saved more than you want their physical conditions to change. The Bible said you turn someone because God is, God is going to allow this. And Satan is just waiting for the hedge to come down. The thief came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come to give you life. And I've come to give it to you more abundantly. There are churches not telling this to people this morning. They're sounding no warning. And there are people that won't come back here because you're convicted. You shouldn't be convicted. You should get right with God. So you don't have to experience conviction. You shouldn't have to look at the floor when I'm bringing you the Word of God. You should be able to look Christ in the eye. And if you can look Him in the eye, don't worry about me, honey. Can you say amen? Amen? Because I'm not the one that will judge you. The Word of God has prejudged that. It's prejudged. You said, Brother Rimble, don't judge. No, the Word of God has prejudged certain things. And he said there's an extreme situation where you turn such a one over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved. Is that the word? That's the word. So if we think that we can walk in this foolish kind of misinterpreted love, love that says, I don't care what you do, we're just going to pray God bless you anyhow. That is not the Word of God. You can't pray for anybody like that. Some of you have taken a stand on these issues because you love. Not because you don't care, but because you do care. And you want to see people blessed. And you want to see them, hallelujah, with God's blessing upon their life. Not God's chastisement. Not God's judgment. Not the devil's intent to hurt and to harm. But God's desire to bless and to keep. The message of holiness is dead. In so many pulpits today, and it's not just nominal churches, it's those that have a name that they live, but inside they're dead. Phony conversions, phony testimonies, phony people, phony religion. There's a holy of holies called your spirit, where God the Father has come to live and indwell you. Your body is the temple. There's that Old Testament pattern. You're a triune being. The Lord, that's why the sanctifying process is complete to cover all three areas of your being. The Lord God sanctify you, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And the reason for that complete holy sanctification is so it can end up with a four-letter holy. And that means H-O-L-Y. Be ye holy, ye that what? Bear the vessels, the vessels of the Lord. Amen. Be ye holy because I am holy. Therefore, correct, and be ye holy that bear the vessels 
of the Lord. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? Can you say, man, come on. Evil, evil communications corrupt good manners. Oh, it's much more than that. In the actual Greek, it says evil companionships corrupt good morals. Who you're hanging with are going to be influenced by you as a Christian because you stand your ground, or they're going to influence you to compromise your faith. Can you say, man, birds of a feather... Birds of a feather, birds of a feather, birds of a feather. Come on. Amen. Listen, if you saw me last night in Ebo City in a club, I hope you don't think that I'm supposed to be in the pulpit this morning. And if you saw me last night in a club in Ebo City, what were you doing there? Can you say amen? You ought not have been there. You ought not have been there. But if you saw me, I ought not have been there. In other words, neither one of us ought to be somewhere where we ought not. Can you say man? Well, Brother Venable, I'm just trying to go out with my friends and have some fun. Oh, honey, you've got to understand who you are now. You're not of them that turn back under perdition. We're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Can you say man? So the Lord God sanctify you. Holy Spirit, soul, and body, and body, and body. Because the body is the container for the Spirit and the soul. Come out from among them, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. For what fellowship hath light with darkness, and Christ with Belial? The apostles put it very clear, you can't eat at the table of the Lord and the table of devils. There's no middle ground here. Your friends will try to set you up, hook you up. Because that's how they live. You've got to identify yourself with Christ, His kingdom, His people. One day you're going to be glad if you decide to identify with Christ and His children instead of the world and the children of the devil. When He comes, you're going to be so glad. When He comes to take up His jewels. Can you say, man, in the old covenant? Because they talked one to another and they said, Oh, Lord, look at the wicked prospering. Look how the wicked are doing and getting by with it. Come on, it doesn't matter. They're not getting by with anything. Because one day the judge is coming. The true judge of the universe is coming. And the Bible said when they see Him, they're not going to be glad to see Him. Because they have rejected Him. And they've walked in that rebellion. And the Bible said when He comes, every eye on this planet is going to see Him. Amen. I'm not talking about His coming for the church. I'm talking about His coming, amen, in the second coming. Amen. To stand on top of the mountain in Israel. Can you say amen? And to declare that He is Lord to the nations of the world. And He's coming to judge the earth. And the whole world shall what? Because of Him, they will mourn. Why? Because they know. I'm having to look in the eye of the one who's going to judge the earth and judge me. The one that I rejected. The one that I chose the world over his kingdom. The one that I chose my friends and and this person I say I love. And I'm willing to give up Christ to be with them. 
love not the world nor the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that abides in me, he that abides in my word will abide forever. Can you say amen? We have fornication in the church. And nobody cares. And we drink the communion wine and we eat the bread on Sunday and we do not discern the Lord's body. And for this cause, healing is gone. We can pour oil on you until they put a sign up and call you a gas station. Can you say man? We can pour oil on you. We can pray over you. We can anoint you. We can appoint you. But only God can bless you. Only God. This is symbolic of something that we can't do. Can you say man? And the Bible said, because when you come together, here's the fleshly people. They've, they, they just come together. You know what they turned communion into? They turned it into a picnic and got drunk. They wanted everything for their flesh. There's a gospel out there today. It is a designer gospel. It is designed to gratify flesh. You don't have to take up a cross to follow Jesus. You get a Bentley and follow him in that. You don't have to make a deep commitment. You get a Rolls Royce and you follow him in your Rolls. He's packing a cross. You're driving in a Rolls. And I am not exaggerating. That gospel is here today. And those preachers are the most visible, vocal, and prominent to have influence in our culture, our Christian culture. And they say that's what God wants for every one of you. And every carnal person in that audience says, yeah. That's why I started following him. I want a rose like yours. I want a Bentley like yours. I want a mansion like yours. A bank account like yours. Jesus said, when the world accepts you, watch out. For the world loves its own. And when they speak well of you, don't, don't take credit for being acceptable to them. For they spoke well of the false prophets that came before you but when they cast your name out as evil for doing good and tell all manner of lies on you rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward where it's supposed to matter to you great is your reward where in heaven colossians 3 1 2 and 4 if you be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not the things of this earth. And verse 4 says, and mortify, put to death your members upon the earth. That means if you don't crucify the flesh, then you'll be governed by the flesh. And they that are in the flesh obviously cannot please God. And that's why Jesus said the prerequisite for discipleship is not joining the church, being baptized in water. It's denying yourself. Taking up your cross. And only then will you be a follower of Christ. And right now preachers are that, that, that are genuine and concerned about their congregations. They said we need to redefine the word Christian. Because it's abused. 
by people who don't follow Jesus. When they walk out of church, he is not relevant to them. His word is not relevant to their decision processes. They feed every desire of their flesh just like the world. And they want a gospel that accommodates that, but it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't want to be confronted. And the dirty word in church is not a four-letter word that slips out of an over-enthusiasm. Oh, there's pastors that cuss like sailors in their pulpits. And people sit and listen to them because they got a backward collar and they got a robe and they got vestments. So we're in the day of the apostasy. That day of the Antichrist shall not come until there's a falling away from Jesus Christ. And that day is here. We're upstream Christians. Not just in a downstream world, but a backslidden church world. So if you want to serve the flesh instead of serve God, there are churches that will accommodate you because the pastor is just as corrupt as you are. pastor of the First Baptist Church at the mall in Lakeland talked to a hundred pastors recently about the pink elephant in the room. The pink elephant in the room? You know the elephant in the room, something so obvious, you've got to deal with it. You, you know, if an elephant's in your living room, you've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with that. You can't keep ignoring the elephant in your living room. He sit down on your couch, you're going to have to get a new couch. By the way, when he gets done with your carpet, you have to tear it up and throw it out. You ain't going to be able to clean it. There's not room for you and the elephant unless you deal with it. Well, what was the pink elephant in the room to preachers? He said, I used the word pink because of sensuality. Because at the fingertips of a computer, the same one that has the Bible program on it will bring you every kind of sex act, vivid, videoed, JPG'd, anything you want, it's there. And you don't have to go to the... See what they used to do at the Holy Church of God? Remember it in Sulphur Springs? I used to give directions to our church. I said, you go down to down Nebraska, across the Hillsborough River. You'll see the X-rated theater sitting right there. You turn right there. <laughs> because that theater that I used to go to as a kid and watch, you know, Flash Gordon serials and, and Roy Rogers, that theater had turned into an X-rated theater. And you know what people would do? What they would do? They would park in our church parking lot. And walk to the X-rated theater. Because if anybody goes by and sees a car in a church parking lot, that looks like so-and-so. I didn't know he goes to church. <laughs> but if they see it in front of the X-rated theater and say, there's so-and-so. He's in the X-rated theater. I wonder if his wife knows. <laughs> One time, we thought about buying the X-rated theater when they moved out. Turned it into a coffee house ministry because all the hippies that were coming to Jesus. But I told people if we bought it, the first thing we'd have to do 
is go in there with a sanctifying prayer and Lysol. Cast out the devils and everything else. Repaint it, rededicate it to God. And some of you just don't want to be in no X-rated theater, Lysol, or sanctifying prayer. Listen to me. It's vitally important that we understand who we are in Christ and who He is in us. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not what? What they, what they wallow in. Day and night, touch not the unclean thing. Can you say, and because what fellowship hath light with darkness, with Christ and Belial. Belial is another word for the devil himself. Can't eat at both tables. You can't keep playing the game. You can't hang with your homies on the weekend and come and try to be part of the body of Christ on Sunday. You say, Brother Venable, I have to give up my flaky friends to follow Christ? No, follow Christ and they'll drop you like a hot potato. So Billy Graham, the president of Moody Bible Institute, and several others have said, we need to change the word Christian. We need to redefine it. Because right now you can't judge that someone is authentic just because they name the name Christian. We need to change it to followers of Christ. Today, if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, I can look you in the eye and biblically support it. You are not a Christian. Because Christian means Christ-like, not devil-like or world-like. Does that mean you're sinlessly perfect? Oh, honey, of course not. But it means that there's something new inside of you. And there's something new inside of me. Amen. Amen. And the, the four-letter word has been replaced... That, you know what shocks congregations? The three-letter word. Sin. Why couldn't God bless Israel that took every... He said, I'm going to give you these people. I'm going to give you their land, their cities. The giants are going to fall. They went over there and took every city. They were so good at it. They didn't even need a bunch of people to do it because God's anointing went before them. They had victory after victory after victory after victory. They came up to a little hardly defended city by the name of Ai. It was so small it had a two-letter name. Ai was the name of it. They went up against Ai. And they sit in just a little group. Said, we don't need Israel's whole army because God's anointing is going before us. They sent a little group of soldiers over to take it. And they slaughtered about half of them. They come back ragged and beat and hurt. Joshua looked at that and he said, something wrong in him. Something wrong around here. If you're not walking in victory, if I don't have any victory, if the devil keeps conquering me and I'm in the altar every Sunday, there's something wrong. And it ain't because it ain't the devil's stronger. It's something's wrong in me. Because if God is for you, if God is for you, if God can be for you, I want God to be for you. I want you to be well defended. Can you say amen against the enemy? I want you to win this thing. I want to see you in heaven. And I don't want to see you hurt and die before your time. Is it okay that I don't want to see you in a casket because I've looked at too many young people in caskets? Amen. 
43 years as a ministry, I can tell you where compromise will lead you. Satan wants to hurt you, but he can't as long as God is for you. But if God can't legitimately defend you, he will do more than hurt you. He'll destroy you. That's why you turn such a, when you quit praying for somebody, it don't mean you say, get them devil. No, you don't have the authority to do that. You just quit praying. I do, there's a sin unto death. I do not say that you keep praying for that. Because that person will not listen to God. They won't listen to you. Something's going to have to happen in their life. Turn such a one over to who? The one that says, if that hedge comes down, I can get at that person. I can do what God doesn't permit me to do, would never permit me to do. When the hedge comes down, the enemy comes in, turn them over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved on their deathbed before their time. They come to themselves, go back to Father's house, call on the Lord. And because of their weakness and their inability to understand the gravity of their choices, God takes them home while they're saved. Is that the word? Why don't we hear it in pulpits? Because it's uncomfortable for sinners and compromised Christians. But is it the word? Is it the word? I'm going to have to give you the truth on Sunday if you never come back here. And we're doing pretty good at keeping people away. Can you say amen? They're staying away in droves. Because conviction comes in here. Because the Holy Spirit comes in here. Can you say amen? The Holy One is here. He's offended when we, when we live a lie. He's offended deeply. In fact, He's grieved. And sometimes you can feel it in the room. What was the pink elephant in the room of pastors? It was pornography. At the fingertips. Pastors all over America are bound by pornography. Christians are bound by pornography. It's like a drug. It hooks you. And you only need to touch the key in the privacy of your study. And you're transported into a dark world of temptation and lust. And we need to get the pink elephant. We need to deal with the elephant in the room. Because he said, our body is the temple. Hallelujah. Are you with me today as we hurry and close? I won't compromise this truth and watch the devil destroy people. If you never come back, you can't say you never knew better. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So the menorah, if, if the almond limb or branch, if it buds, that means that new life is coming. The second thing that happens after new life coming, the menorah, light and fruit. Say it with me, light and fruit. What was the menorah for? To illuminate. To illuminate. Hebrews 10.32, 
after you were illuminated. You endured a great fight of afflictions. Can you say amen? If you're a real Christian, all those that live godly, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to embrace you. Everybody's going to love you. Life is going to be a dream. All those that live godly shall suffer persecution. It's not just people talking about you and calling you names because you're a Christian. It's, a, it's anything the devil can do to try to divert you from your focus upon following Jesus. They'll jump right over you on the job. Give it to somebody else so you'll get mad at God for not promoting you. That's persecution. Everybody's not going to find favor with everybody if you follow Jesus. So he said, you shall, in Exodus 25, let me hurry. In Exodus 25, it tells how the, branch, the lampstand is to be made. And, and it was made out of six branches. Three of them this side, three of them that side, one in the middle. Each branch had bowls for oil to give the light. And each branch was shaped like a blossom. And not just any blossom. Everybody say, not just any blossom. Hallelujah. On the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms. And the wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold and shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all the utensils to light it and to snuff it out. From It's always to keep lit all night long and all, all day long and, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. Each of the six branches and the center shaft ended up in a cup made in the form of an open almond flower. The branches, the central shaft, were skillfully decorated with that same open almond blossom design with three on each branch and four on the center shaft. Wow. Aaron, Aaron's rod when God picked him out of all the tribes, each one of them took a branch. It was from an almond tree. How do you know? I'm going to tell you. Because Aaron's rod. God said, the man that I'm going to pick to anoint and appoint is the lead priest. His rod, he's got a branch not attached to a tree. But it's going to have buds on it. And it's going to have blossoms. And listen to this. It's going to have almonds not only are we going to have the bud we're going to have almonds it's going to bear fruit can you say man listen every tree in me that beareth not every limb in me that beareth not fruit what does god do with that if you can't if you can't exemplify christianity by something in your life that says a change has come he says you can't abide in me you can stay in many churches because they don't care as long as you come and give and show up for the number count. John 15 said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes it away. It's good for nothing to be bundled up and burned. It's what happens when spring comes after winter. They take the dead branches off, bundle them up and burn them. 
But every branch that bears fruit, he does what he's doing this morning. He purges it. He purges it. The agricultural term is he prunes it. Whatever's in my life that is dead and unfruitful, but I have the potential to bring fruit because I am a real deal authentic Christian, he's going to cut that thing off. Hallelujah. So that I might even be more fruitful. Can you say man? Now you're clean through what? The word that I have spoken unto you. I want you to go forth and bring forth fruit. And your fruit might remain. It's not a something that you turn on and you turn off like a light switch. Depending on where your situation is. But it's remaining fruit. You're a Christian 24-7. You're a Christian on the way to work. You're a Christian on the way home. You're a Christian at the job you're a Christian wherever you go you don't have to stand on a soapbox you're light without even trying they told me when I worked on a line crew for Tampa Electric come on and have a drink with us I said I'm sorry I can't do it come on it's Friday we're all going to the bar it's a tradition you're on a line crew now son come on I don't drink. I just don't drink. They said, you drink Coke, don't you? Come on to the bar and we'll buy you a Coke. I said, no. I don't want to go in the bar. There were always women in the bar. Because these Tampa Electric guys in their jeans and their macho machismo... It was so good to come out on a Monday morning and know I hadn't done nothing on Saturday night that I would care for God knowing or my wife. What a joy it was to be clean. Hallelujah. We went out on a line crew and, and I guess this guy hadn't seen the girls that he, after he got drunk, went out with on the weekend. He was a married man with two children. We pulled out and the car followed us all the way to the job site. Car parked back behind us. And two gals got out of that car. And I believe if you looked up ugly in the dictionary, they'd have a picture of them. I hate to, I don't mean to be unkind. <laughs> I think it was beyond ugly, it was ugly. Can you say, man, ugly? And this guy looked back there and saw them and he said, Oh Lord, what are they doing here? And I thought, you know why they're here? They're here because you went out with them Saturday night. You were bragging about these gals you hooked up with at the bar. So here they are. Foreman said, you better go back there and get rid of them. We ain't going to have them following us around all day long. What you do in your private life is your business. But what you do out here on this line crew is my business. He had to go back there and tell him, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> and if he was honest, he'd tell him, I'm going to lose my marriage if you keep following. But see, they don't care about his marriage because, you know why? Because he didn't care about his marriage. How many want to marry somebody that is not a player? If you ever get married or married again, you don't want to marry a player. Amen. Come on, you don't want to marry a dog. Amen? 
Because a dog has no moral restraints. C.H. Spurgeon sitting on his D.L. Moody sat down to eat with a businessman that was thinking about supporting his ministry. <laughs> they brought the food. D.L. Moody bowed his head to pray over the food. Businessman sat back there with his eyes wide open. When D.L. quit praying, he looked him in the eye and said, I never, because he was a self-made man, you see. So he said, I never pray over my food. D.L. Moody, without blinking, said, I got a dog just like that. Yeah, preachers can come up with stuff sometimes. I pray over mine. I don't stand on the table and make it loud. And when I look across the restaurant and I see somebody else with their head bowed in a public place, I say, there's one of our flock. There's a bird of a feather sitting over there. Can you say, man, somebody that's publicly professing Christ, that's living the life instead of living a lie. The menorah was crafted, and the ancient one was not little like this. The three that came up had almond blossoms. It was almond branches themselves that made up the menorah. And it was the almond branch that budded. And you know where that almond branch is right now? That budded Aaron's rod where God told it to be put for posterity. You lift up the lid of that ark. You put the two tables of the law in there. You put a jar sealed tight of the manna that I fed Israel with. And you put Aaron's rod that budded in there. Can you say, man, that said, whom I appoint, I personally anoint supernaturally. And ain't no Bible college in the world can do that. Only God can do it. Can you say, man, hallelujah. How many, how many are understanding the menorah means light and fruit? Can you say, man, and you know what the Christian is? Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all of those tendencies to sin. From all iniquity. Walk in the light. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. In whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. Can you say, man, God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. And what, when we become fruitful, what do we become? Hallelujah. When we become fruitful, what do we become? We become the light of the world. We become a living menorah. Giving light in the dark place, the light of God's truth. In fact, we become the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We reflect His face, His nature, His character to a sin-darkened, enslaved world. Every Christian... It's supposed to be an oil-fueled luminary for Jesus Christ. I met them where I work. Brother Vimble, did you, are you judging now? You can't see a man's heart. No, God sees it. But you know what I can see and what the whole world can see? I can see fruit. And Jesus said, every tree is known by the fruit it bears. You can take... 
a sign that says oranges and put it on a grapefruit tree and get by with it until the fruit comes. But when the fruit comes, you're going to know everybody else. You don't have to be into horticulture. Agriculture is pretty simple. A five-year-old can tell you that big yellow thing hanging right there is not an orange. Amen? Listen, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, has feathers like a duck, has a bull like a bull, has a bill like a duck, amen, quacks like a duck, rest assured, you don't have to be tentative in your answer. It's a duck, amen? You can call it what it is. That's not judging. That's just making an intelligent decision based on the information that's been given you. So Jesus said every tree is known by the fruit it bears. So make the fruit good, tree good, and the fruit good, or make it evil. In other words, be what you are. If you're a hypocrite, admit it. Come to God. Get it right and go on with Christ. If you're not a Christian, find out now. Not when you stand before the judge can you say amen. Be what you are. If you want to hang with the world instead of follow Jesus, go hang with the world. At least be honest. But if you want to be a Christian, you can't have it both ways. God wants you to run under His wing. He wants to send a Holy Ghost revival and it starts with the church becoming the church again. Coming out from among them and be ye separate. And touch not the unclean thing. For what fellowship hath light with darkness or darkness with light? Can you say, man? Having these, and I will be a father to you. And I will live in you. And I will walk in you. And you will be my children. And I will be your God. Have, dearly beloved, having these promises let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord that's the call the call to the called out the ecclesia that's what church means you've been called out and this is the call and the call to the called out is to come out oh every time somebody comes out Applauded by the world, aren't they? Oh, look at that sports star. He came out. So-and-so came out on television. Somebody came out in an interview with Time Magazine. Oh, goody. What courage. It's time the church came out. It's time the church came out and declared we're Christian without apology. We follow Christ, not the mores and the morals of this world system. Hallelujah. We do not serve Satan. We serve Jesus. We serve no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. So devil, take a hike. Can you say amen? Submit yourself to God and resist Him and He'll overcome you anyway because He's so powerful. No, submit yourself to God. Make a real consecrated commitment to follow Jesus and then resist the devil. What's going to happen? He will flee from you. Greek word. Everybody say, give me the Greek. Run as in panic is the Greek word. To run as in panic to run like Pamela would run if that eight-foot cobra that got away near Orlando got in our front yard. They found that bad boy under a woman's dryer in her garage. She said she put her clothes in and heard something. And she called animal control and said, there's something under my dryer. It was an eight-foot cobra that got away from its owner. 
They fined him $366. The elementary school last month had to be closed because kids couldn't go out to recess because they hadn't found the cobra. It was in proximity. There's something hissing under my dryer. I want it gone. Amen. That old serpent, the devil. The Holy Ghost is animal control. Can you say amen? Glory to God. If you want him gone, the Holy Ghost is in you to get him gone. Can you say amen? Oh, I feel victory in my soul. I don't know what it is about preaching holiness. I get some of the hardest looks from sinners, but they're not here today. No, no, they're not. Are they sinning? You just wait. They'll be back when they're toe up from the flow up. Can you say man? They're going to want our prayers and our intercession. And what they need is to get down at an old fashioned altar whether at home or in church and get really right with God so that God can help them and give them victory. Can you say man? Thank God for the hand clap. I didn't have to have it but thank you for it anyway. I feel God's good pleasure here today. How many want to be the menorah says A change is coming. The winter is dark. It's bleak. It's black. But there's a spring coming. There's a time of illumination and fruitfulness that is coming. And that's why the menorah is a spiritual symbol of light and fruitfulness. Because when the light of the glory of God shines in our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ, then people see the change in us, they see our good works. And we become the what to the world? The light of the world. Living menorahs. Almond trees of God. Hallelujah. Bringing forth, budding, and bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. Oh, by the way, it's the Holy Spirit that will get turned loose in you. You won't have to do it in yourself. Zechariah saw the menorah. Said, and the angel that talked with me, Zechariah 4, 1 through 6. Let me read it quickly. And the angel that talked with me came again and asked me, what seest thou? He asked Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see an almond branch with buds. He asked Zechariah, said, now what do you see? He said, and I looked, and behold, the lampstand of gold, the menorah. Everybody say the menorah. With the bowl on top and the seven lamps and pipes leading to the lamps and the two olive trees that symbolized the oil that would fuel the lamps, leading to the pipes that fed the lamps. And I answered and spake unto the angel, what are these? What does this mean? And the angel said, knowest thou not what these be? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he answered and said, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Can you say, man, you know what the church needs right now? 
We need the sanctifying power of the word of God received and responded to. And we need a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? I'm not overcoming by might nor power, by personal resolve, but the decision to follow Jesus, to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Christ. And guess what happens when I decide to do that? Amen. All of heaven's resources, hallelujah, become mine in Jesus Christ. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is on you. Not just power to talk in tongues, but power to live an exemplary life. Can you say amen? Come on. And you shall be what unto me? witnesses unto me in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the world, wherever there is a Christian that the Holy Ghost is free to use and to move in and through. Amen. There's a living menorah. Oh, I can't hardly say it without glorifying God. There's a living menorah lighting the dark place. Pure by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 And you light up the room when you walk in. And they don't know why. Can you say man? Glory to God. Anybody in this room got something that we could move aside to let the Holy Ghost loose, to let that light come forth? Anybody got something, some attitude, some activity that we need to... Come on, got an elephant in the room? How many know it's time to deal with that? Don't let it go another day. Bring, go before God. Ask Him for strength to overcome. It's available. There's oil flowing so that our lights can be shining. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Would you, just lift your hand if, if you're pushing an elephant through your front door. Not that pornography necessarily, just something. Something that needed to be dealt with. And this morning God is saying, deal with it now. I need your light to shine. I need your life to be covered and kept by my power from the enemy who wants to hurt you and to harm you. Hallelujah. Wave your hand again if there's something, either in attitude, activity, in priority, that we, we need to get out of, out of the way. God is watching. He is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The almond tree has not only budded and give us a new beginning through the cross. The almond tree by the Holy Spirit is beginning to flourish. And the true church will emerge from the compromise The true church will emerge. I was coming home from a meeting where by and large everything I said was rejected. And I get that a lot. People don't like personal accountability. God demands it. And I said, Lord, your church is so polluted. Your church is so perverted. Your church is so filthy with sin and no one seems to care that the temple is defiled and being defiled and the message of repentance and restoration is by and large rejected so there's no joy in that audience you can emotionally get them off their feet and clapping with a loud song and a lot of 
vigorous singers prancing on the stage, but that's not worship. And it will never produce holiness. And I said, Lord, where's that church? You said you're coming for a glorious church. A bride without spot or blemish or any such thing but that it should be holy. How is it going to be holy if Christians don't want to be right with you? And he said, and I don't hear him that clearly very often. I don't always say God said. This was years ago. He spoke to my heart clearly. I was despondent, discouraged as a young minister. I thought when you preach holiness to Christians who love God, they would embrace that and want to be more like Christ. I was wrong. And I was ready to say, what's the use? Jeremiah got there, but he remembered the almond branch with buds on it. God's going to do something. Even in the midst of this deadness. Hallelujah. 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 And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, even when they reject the truth, it is for a purpose. For I am separating the wheat from the chaff. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm going to take a people from a people. And I'm going to cleanse my church. And before I take her out of this world, when the world is at its worst and the compromise is at its peak, I'm going to take a people from a people and I'm going to let the world see the bride. Listen, I've many, many weddings. You know what the tradition is? When they start praying the wedding march and the bride begins to walk, everybody that's seated, and you can be seated, you want to we're going to close in a minute everybody everybody that's seated I go like this why why do you ask everybody to stand up because and then where does every eye go every eye goes to that lady in the white dress walking that aisle here come and what do they play here comes the who here before the wedding takes place all eyes are on the bride. And you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Because the menorah, spiritually speaking, light is going to shine. The light of His truth is going to go forth. And the fruit of being truly His is going to be seen upon the true church. Can you say, man, hallelujah? And they're going to be playing here comes he said i am going to cleanse my church and present her as my bride to the world before i present her as my bride to myself this is a time he said of purging and separating and it is here now can you say man hallelujah some of you are going to go out and let your friends lead you into sin some of you are going to go out and not deal with the elephant that god has pointed out to you today but some of you are going to go out without an elephant in the room guess what if there's no elephant in the room there's room for somebody else (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah 
And guess what? When he takes up occupancy, he fills it wall to wall. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When the unclean spirit goeth out, hallelujah, if nobody comes in, and he'll come back. But if he goes out and somebody comes in, he ain't coming back. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Oh, I feel such an anointing here today. Woo! Hallelujah. I can't stop now. It's already ruined my, ruined my chances of having a big church. Can you say man? But it hasn't taken away God's desire to have a pure church. Can you say man? How many glad you got a preacher to tell you the truth on Sunday morning? Hallelujah. 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 Obviously, there are a lot of people that are not. But that's okay. I haven't quit in all these years because of that. Somewhere out there, a day is coming when there's going to be a hunger for God. And when that day comes, they're not going to be satisfied, amen, to be pacified on Sunday morning. They'll want to be sanctified. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! So this morning, He hath made me glad more than in the time that their wine and their corn did increase. And I'm going to trade my sorrows. Hallelujah. How about you? This is a time of great rejoicing for the true church because we know what all this mess signifies. The coming of the Lord is at hand even at the doors. Hallelujah. Let's just give him praise before we go home. Hallelujah. 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 How many got a clapper? How many can play it? That's for the